On today's episode, the Diz Bros are taking a look at the recent success of Marvel's latest picture, Spider-Man No Way Home. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to In Between the Magic. We are covering you from coast to coast today and in the central. Out on our east coast, we have newly downgraded gold status and a brand new papa, Mr. Ethan Levine. And here in the middle of the country, you got myself. And then out on the west coast, we got Mr. Matty Ice. Hello, hello. Welcome back. It's good to have the group together today. We're doing a little Diz Bros episode. Uh, Kirsten's at work with a couple of us having the day off today. Some of us helping out with some newborn IBTM friends that'll join us eventually on the podcast. That'll be great. We, well, first, any any other magic updates that anybody wants to share? We, we've been away for a little while, so is there anything magical anybody wanted to, to sp- spread around? Well, I, I had that baby that you mentioned and tomorrow we'll be having a a new baby i will be upgrading my computer for the first time in almost exactly seven years so we are we're making an eight generation processor jump which means a new motherboard new ram new power supply and throwing in a new nvme drive just for kicks i knew some of those those words words. hey there we go yeah (laughs) Will any of it make me sound better? No. We're not here to sound better. We're just here to enjoy ourselves and have some fun, right? And hopefully sound good enough that people want to keep listening to us. Exactly. That's what we're looking for. But we're still going to pump all of our tech through through Ethan because Matt knows more than I do, but the rest of us are just kind of... We, we make things go, we make things work, and that's about it for our, mm-hmm. our technology status. That's why we have Ethan here. Well, assuming the build goes well, I can continue to do that. But if things go sideways, we might have to get some string and a tin can or two. So you'll find, out, you'll find out very quickly on our next recording how things went for Ethan. We will find out remarkably quickly whether or not things work. <laughs> Matt, anything on the West Coast? Well, I got a puppy in November. His name is Link. He is a terrier mix. Very small, very cute. And then I'm going to Disneyland next month with my parents. So we're going to come All visit. Right. That's going to be cool. Yeah. Twice and you got in out there, nine months. Pretty crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, you got out there once a couple months ago, mm-hmm. getting back to it. That's awesome. <laughs> Nothing really much is going on here in the center of the country. Uh I'm building, I'm rebuilding our fence because we had a storm take it down. That's about it. But we're looking at planning a couple trips to Florida. I know we're looking at our big Disney Mall reunion for the 50th at some point. And then I think we've got a couple weddings and things like that. So hopefully we get to travel a little bit as things progress with COVID and park reservations and everything else. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Today... I'm gonna let Matt introduce it because this is this is Matt's domain. A little bit. So today we're talking about the new Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I've been obsessed with Spider-Man since I was a little kid, so I'm very very excited to talk about this today. It's gonna be a good one. 
obvious spoiler warning. Uh, it's been what now three weeks? Is that right? Ish yeah, more than that. Yeah. It's Needless to say, enough. yeah, the the spoiler ban has been lifted. If you've not seen it yet, uh, you can probably guess what these spoilers are going to be, at least for most of them. So, um, Matt, you wanna do you wanna break it down? Do you wanna talk about highlights, lowlights? What do you wanna oh, talk goodness. about? Um, how about we go around first and just have like our general thoughts on the movie? I like it. I guess I'll go first. Um, I loved it, obviously. Um, I think it's probably going to be up there with one of my favorite MCU movies. I need to give it a second watch, but gut reaction, it's like sitting number two, number three for me. Um, I thought the inclusion of like all the different past Spider-Man characters was mostly well done. I liked that quite a bit. Obviously, bringing in the two other Spider-Man actors was amazing. No pun intended. <laughs> um, I I loved it. I thought it was a great way to wrap up kind of the twenty-year history of Spider-Man, and so we can move on to the next phase of it. East Coast. So I managed to avoid a lot of the spoilers and rumor mill discussions around whether or not Toby and Andrew were going to show up or be included, whatever. A lot of that was outside my sphere of awareness. And I'm not sure how much of that was. I just wasn't paying attention versus I was just focusing on other things. But I went in and had, I was pleasantly surprised with how the, prior actors and characters were reintroduced and incorporated. I thought it was all very well done. And knowing what I know now, I would have gone back and actually rewatched all of the other Spider-Man movies to get myself back into the swing of things and more familiar with a lot of the plot lines that were referenced because there were a lot of uh, missed reference acknowledged moments on my part. Uh, especially with the the Andrew Garfield, you know, saving the falling character. That went completely over my head as to why that was important. But going back and looking at it and reading up after the fact, it was quite a, a momentous occasion. So had I known that, it probably would have enhanced the experience quite dramatically. But I think that just speaks to the fact that it all stands on its own. Yeah, I think you guys hit kind of the main points that I was looking at. Um, I grew up, and I think like Ethan, you and I are fairly close. Matt, you're a little further away in age. Um, but I was talking with Kirsten about the importance of seeing Toby Maguire come back to because to me, Toby was what was that 2001 or something like that when that one came out. So I was 11 if it was 2001. So I was peak primetime comic book nerd. And so to get him coming back was great. I I wasn't the biggest fan of Andrew Garfield and his movies, but I appreciated them for what they were. Um, and you were talking about spoilers. I I had a couple things spoiled for Endgame, but they were my own fault because I was asking about them, so I can't blame anybody other than myself for just wanting to know. Um, but for this one, I managed to avoid everything and we did get to go kind of the second day so we didn't have to wait as long as we did for in game but 
there were a lot of things that my brain predicted would happen as far as fan service would go. And it's exactly what showed up. So that was encouraging to see, you know, when you, in the trailer, you see MJ falling, you're like, Oh, Andrew's going to catch her and it's going to be a big emotional moment. And then sure enough, that's what we got out of it. So that was nice. But I think it, it, it was fan service, but done in the right way. Uh, you know, that kind of goes with the, the end game fan service that you get there. That's, it's more of a payoff fan service compared to just gratuitous fan service. Um, some people like to argue that uh, the last Star Wars movie was just gratuitous fan service instead of payoff fan service. So, um, but yeah, I, I got to watch it twice. We took Kirsten's cousin when she came down to visit, and watching it the second time was definitely um, a different experience. Experience that second time, and it was nice to sit back knowing what was going on, so you didn't have to, you know, when are they going to show up? What, what's going to happen next? You could just sit back and enjoy things. And my favorite thing was probably watching Willem Dafoe just be the OG villain on a, a new level and just be phenomenal in that position. It was crazy to me how he could come back from not doing it for so long and just like step right back into the boots of that character and be able to have such like a... Uh, I guess like a nuanced performance because it was a slightly different goblin than we saw in the the old movie, but like in a way that made him seem like he could be more, um, I, I guess more believable and more like, um, trustworthy because he was good at like getting Aunt May's trust, for instance, and trying to kind of wriggle his way, um, under their skin in that way. So I thought that was really cool. So a, a question I have, I want to get your, your thoughts on this. It, it seemed very clear that all of the, the baddies were pulled from a specific moment in time, basically the point at we, which we last saw them in their respective films. However, for the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield characters, it felt like we had pulled them in after some amount of time had elapsed. Did you get that vibe as well? I agree. Yes. Yeah. And so I guess this, this brings up, you know, are we getting into time travel and were people pulled in at different points from the same timeline? Were they then sent back to different points on the same timeline? How do you feel like that fits in and did that create any plot holes in your mind? As far as the villains go, I feel like they were pulled right before they died. And to me, that's that's the end of their timeline. And so that was the only possible moment that they could have been pulled from. Whereas Andrew and Toby are still alive in their universe going throughout their timeline. So they were just plucked from wherever they were at that specific point in time in their life. Now, as far as what's going to happen when they return, uh, I don't know if we're ever going to get this answer because it really opens up a lot of paradoxes, obviously, because you're bringing these people. I, I loved the redemption arc, especially for Doc Ock, and then him getting to say, you know, it's good to see you, my boy, or whatever it was. When Toby showed back up, it was like, oh, it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> um, but, you know, they're all going back together. So are they going back to where they were plucked from? Are they just, are they resetting and 
people forget what happened. Like, I think that's an answer we might get, we might not get. It seems like a I don't think we'll get the answer personally. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, in the movie, it was kind of referenced that from Doctor Strange that you need to send them back in order for them to die because that's like their destiny. And Peter wanted to try and fix that. So my guess is that him giving them that sort of closure and redemption arc story for all these villains um, might save them when they go back to their own universe. But if it's like in the moment right before they're about to die, I don't quite understand how that's going to work logistically. So the, re but the again, redemption was only for the benefit of Tom Holland's character, not anybody else's. It's kind of what it felt like, yeah. But I, again, like you said, it might not be worth opening that can of worms. Yeah. It might just be like, a, oh, cool, there's these villains that we all recognize that we grew up with, and we're just gonna we're gonna leave it there. Don't look too closely; it all falls apart. Exactly. I think the only time that you'll see the answer, you're not gonna see that answer in an MCU movie with Tom Holland. If they greenlight any type of Spider-Man Four or Amazing Spider-Man Three, I think that's where you're gonna get those answers. Those are not but, going to come. No, There's they're no they're way. they're not going to happen. So, um, unless they Sony just truly wants to go Spider Verse and just start pumping out movies like it's nobody's business. But I think that's the only place that you would see the answer to that question. You're not going to see a Marvel's the MCU movie that answers that question. Do you think the MCU is going to continue making Tom Holland Spider Man movies, or do you think he's done with the exception of ensemble films? There is one in development. Okay. So he, I, I think early development. he's going to be the top of the leaderboard as far as movie count. Mm -hmm. I think they've set them up to be able to do different ones. I know, Matt, you're you don't think you're going to see any other characters come back. Um, and I think we we might get something in Multiverse of Madness, too, that might hint other things. But I think to, people have latched on to Tom Holland so much that both Sony and Disney are like, all right. We're rivals, but clearly this is a cash cow and we're both going to make money out of this. Let's find a way to make this work and we can both get money out of the deal. Um, but then, like I said before, I think it does kind of open Sony up. If they wanted to go do something with Andrew Garfield, they could if they got the right people and everything like that because they own that one flat out, I believe. Um, so it could easily be Sony and Marvel teaming up to do Tom Holland and then Sony just being like, oh, hey, by the way, here's a new movie over here. And they're kind of already doing that. They're doing that with Morbius. They're doing that mm -hmm. with the Venom movies. Mm -hmm. They're doing that. Well, and with, um, that's the rumor is that the, the Morbius and Venom are going to set up in the Andrew Garfield universe is what things are pointing to. I had actually just recently watched both of the Venoms for the first time and was pleasantly surprised with how well done they were for being non-MCU superhero films. I'm boycotting those on principle because I don't think you can have Venom without Spider-Man, but we're not going to get into that. I, I would argue yep. you can. I, I think the character stands alone well enough. I do think it would fit nicely in with an ensemble film, but I don't think it was a waste to do them, no. You'll probably get it eventually. But you said you, you had to establish the character, and it was proof of concept. Mm -hmm. And then there's also, I guess we'll get into that now, the post credit scene at the very, very end with the little bit of symbiote left over from 
when Tom Hardy got taken back into his original universe. So we might see Venom soon. You got symbiotes in two two different universes now. Mm -hmm. So I actually had a question about that. If the whole purpose of the the broken spell was to bring people over who knew Spider-Man's identity, how did Venom meet that requirement? How did that's a very good question? And why I asked. I asked I asked that question and I did a little research. There's not a definitive answer, but it seems that the most commonly accepted answer because Tom Hardy does not know Peter Parker. That's established in his movies. But what people were saying, other than the wow factor of him showing up at the end of the movie, is that the symbiote acts as a hive mind. And so people are referencing the fact that it's you know, it's plausible to say that the hive mind can span across the multiverse. And because Topher Grace knew who Peter Parker was in the original trilogy and was connected to the symbiote, the symbiote then became sentient across the multiverse. And anybody connected with the symbiote at that point would know Peter Parker. That's the best answer that I found, but uh, I don't think we're going to get a true answer for a while. Right, and it was kind of hinted at. <laughs> yep. At the end of the post-credit scene for Venom 2, you see um, Tom Holland's Spider-Man pop up on the TV, and Venom seems to recognize him. So it makes the most sense to me. So shifting gears a little bit, do you think there is a number of dollars at which point Sony would sell back the rights to Disney for all of Spider-Man? It's a really good question. I'm leaning towards no, because they also get a cut from like all of the merchandise sales and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of money. <laughs> well, because they, they bought the rights for what, like seven million bucks way back when? It was cheap. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was real cheap. And it's it's worth billions. Billions now. So I to be very technically accurate, I I believe there is a number. Is that number feasible for Disney? No, I don't think it is because they would have to basically mortgage the company out. <laughs> Do you think it's a number specifically for Tom Holland MCU Spider-Man? Or do you think it's Spider-Man on the whole? Because you you know, you've got the two, you've got the original trilogy, the Amazing Spider-Man. Now you've got the Spider-Verse stuff coming out. Mm -hmm. So all these pro all these projects that are connected to Spider-Man. Do you think they get to a point where they're like, "Hey, we'll give you back Tom Holland. You can use him in all of your movies. He can have his own stuff, but we're gonna keep everything else that we've built up." and have our Spider-Verse over here, and then maybe we can partner up every now and then and broker a deal for Tom to come back or for one of these characters to come over or things like that. So like a collab situation. Yeah. See, I, th I think that's interesting. By bifurcating their rights, I think that gets into a, a lot of very complex business and legal questions that may not be worth dealing with. You it may have to be an all or none kind of thing. And I think that's probably the, the ground Sony would plant their flag in because they would want to drive up the number of that purchase price. 
Right. And we don't really know the details of Disney's and Sony's Spider-Man deal specifically. Like we have an idea of how it works, but nobody in the public really knows what the contract says, what the terms of the contracts are. So like my guess is that it's an extremely messy situation that like is not going to unravel or change very easily. Mm -hmm. You've got to think about it as, you know, what's the time value of that money? So let's say the current Spider-Man franchise as a whole is worth, I don't know, $15 billion. Let's just pick a number. That's that's a check Disney could effectively write. Maybe they, they issue some debt to cover it, but whatever. Let's say Disney can write a check for $15 billion. That goes over to Sony over a four-year period. Let's say they do it that way. How many years would it take Sony of spitting out Spider-Verse material to generate, after costs, $15 billion? It would probably take them quite a while now if they could get 15 billion dollars over the next four years and then reinvest that in other properties and let's say it would take them 20 years to make up you know 15 billion dollars just from that franchise alone if they could get all of that in four years and then reinvest it they could multiply that money over the span of 20 years and end up with a lot more dinero and el banco so it kind of makes you think there has to be a number that could work. It's just whether or not they would want to agree to that. That's where my head's at. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of it too is short-term versus long-term gains. Like they want more money now as opposed to mm-hmm. a lot more money in the future. Yeah, and that's a, a very common position to take in corporate America is especially at the executive level and in the C-suite, people are hired and fired based on quarterly results. You post a bad quarter, your ass is grass and you're out. So there is a lot of motivation to bring in a lot of money in the short term. And a lot of executive compensation is based in part on those types of activities. So if whoever's running the helm over at Sony Pictures says, oh, I just secured us $15 billion over four years, to, to stop doing things. Basically, we make money by stop to stop spending money. That's probably enough for somebody to get a nice fat bonus check, golden parachute, and retire. Mm-hmm. So I could say I somebody... criticize capitalism in the movie industry all day. But let's talk about <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> That's our Thursday podcast. I would I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. So to wrap that up, I do think a number exists. I think a deal could be reached. I'm just not sure if those discussions would ever be entertained by anybody without thinking about yeah. big picture, short, medium, long term, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Makes sense. I feel like the the baseline is that this is good for you. This is good for us. What's going on? I think that's kind of where they are is they know we can both get something out of this and we'll just keep kicking the can down the road and eventually may, maybe we'll talk about getting it back. Let's see here. What did we think about? Oh, how, what do we think about Dr. Strange in the movie? Did we like that? Did we dislike that? It seemed like some, some odd writing for the character. I was kind of perplexed by the fact that he was, defeatable at at any level by math well, 
magic doesn't play by the rules of math so you would that's think right <laughs> there would be a way for him to work that out right without requiring surgeons don't need math it's okay <laughs> it it felt like it was a different character like at any mm -hmm. point it could have been like aha gotcha this is a multiverse doctor strange the real one is trapped somewhere else so that's an actual like, theory that i have heard if you have seen what if when you've got Yes. Baddie Doctor Strange. Some people think that's the one that we were dealing with in that movie. That's who we get to see in Multiverse of Madness, though. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if they would tease that to undo. I don't know. The, well, I think the argument the, is it was him the whole time. It was Dark Strange the whole time? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know if I agree with it, but that'd be a cool reveal for sure. I like I think I think you needed Doctor Strange to do this the the story makes sense for Doctor Strange to be there. Mm -hmm. But then I think it was also one of those where it was like, was there a better way that they could you know maybe when Loki rips the multiverse apart you know you could find you could find another way to get the multiverse to show up or something like that mm -hmm. it just felt like it was kind of we're trying to connect dr strange to, well and then even at the end of the movie it was a spider-man movie and we don't get spider-man will return one because they didn't know but you get dr strange will return and then you just get the trailer and you were like mm -hmm. what what <laughs> is this a dr strange movie is this a spider-man movie what are we doing i, I did think that was an odd pairing because you typically don't see that in the post credit scene, that type of preview. In fact, we've seen that one other time. At the end of Captain America, they showed a trailer for the Avengers. Okay, leading that makes sense because it's leading up to a big movie, I guess. Mm -hmm. But like, I would have been fine if it was literally just the scene, you know, the, the cut scene is um, introducing Dark Strange or Steven approaching Wanda in the orchard. Like... Mm -hmm. Just make it less the trailer. Yeah, make it less than 30 seconds, but just enough to like if Dark Strange showed up after having watched What If and you were like, oh, that's really cool. And then he shows up in person. You'd be like, what is happening? I think they want us to know as little as possible about this movie. Mm -hmm. Kind of like played it with Spider-Man, because like, I think this is going to be one of those things that's going to change the foundation of the MCU as we know it right now. And they want to just drip feed us a little tiny bit at a time. I like that how Spider-Man, you didn't get a trailer. You mm -hmm. didn't get, you know, like there there was nothing. It was, we have a fresh movie. We know that this is kind of what's happening. Now go watch it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel about Doctor Strange because that comes out, what, May? Oh, well, supposedly. We'll see. Ish. You're a couple months away and we don't really have anything on it. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of like that thought for the, the movies going forward of, we're going to stop feeding you stuff. You're just going to show up and take it. So on one hand, it's it's a brilliant business tactic. Instead of giving trailers away for free, you have to go pay to see the last movie to see the trailer for the next one. <laughs> that is really funny. No free trailers. I, Kirsten brought up a question. I'm going backwards a little bit. The, the spell that Doctor Strange casts the second time. I'm trying to remember because there was an Kirsten made the, the argument that was kind of valid. I, th 
Did he say everybody on Earth or just everybody that knew Peter Parker would forget Peter Parker? I don't believe I just... specifically on Earth. Because that was something that Kirsten thought about was like, well, what if for story driving purposes, Nick Fury is up in space. What if he's not affected by the spell? And all of a sudden Nick Fury comes down and is like, Parker, what up? And everybody else is losing their mind. But I I think it makes more sense to say that everybody mm-hmm. has forgotten about him. But then I also feel go ahead. I was saying that that solves the problem far too easily if he can just be like, Oh, this dude did XYZ and it was like, Oh, okay, we'll take your word for it. I think well, but he's at, gotta have more of a challenge to overcome that. At the same time, I think you have that though with Peter just going to any of the Avengers and we they show us why he's not gonna reveal who he is because of MJ there at the end. But like all it takes is walking up to uh Doctor Strange and being like, Hey, I'm Spider Man. You know, I was with you on Titan and then talk a little bit about what happened in the fight with Titan and then Strange would be like, Oh yeah, nobody else could possibly know that or you know to get the Avengers to know who you are, I feel like wouldn't take very much convincing at all because they know that they fought with a Spider-Man. They just don't know who it is. And I feel like one of them would be like, oh, that's weird that we know everybody's secret identity except for this one person who's now come forward. Mm-hmm. But does but he is, want that, though? You know? No, I, I think that's what the, what the ending of the movie gave us is that he doesn't want that. Right. But it kind of it leaves that open to if he comes back into play, he could. It, it seems like they have effectively sidelined him for an indefinite amount of time until they're ready to bring him back. They wrapped his story up perfectly to where if he didn't come back at all, there's no qualms about it. But if he does come back, it's easy enough to bring him back. Mm-hmm. I disagree. I would have lots of qualms. Okay. Because I'd be okay. sad. <laughs> not, not those kind of qualms. Storyline qualms. His, his right. storyline is pretty... The, the waters are calm right now. I'll put it that I know way. what you meant. I was just messing. Yeah. Up. Yes, yeah, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. What else we got? Um, we've got what's his face? Um, um, Ned is magic now. Apparently, that's kind of cool. His, his character is in the comic books. I found out. Mm-hmm. Dark, Dark Ned, Evil Ned. So that joke about him not killing Peter Parker is apparently going to be a, a real thing. Right. He's a half a. A conglomeration of a couple of different characters from the comic books. He's based pretty heavily also on a guy named Genki. He is Miles Morales' best friend in the Ultimate Spider-Man comics. And especially in Spider-Man Homecoming, he's a lot like that character. He's, you know, the guy in the chair. You know, the the guy who's the computer whiz and does all the communicating and stuff. I think that'll be interesting because they... You know, they hint at him coming back with Stephen being like, oh, you have magic. That's interesting. So there's all these things that hint that they want to continue with these characters and these storylines, which tells me that they want to keep working with Sony and just figure it out to make it work. As if you wonder, too, because John Watts will be pretty busy with the Fantastic Four movie as well. So. Anyone else have anything specifically wanted to talk about? I I know that we've heard it 
a bazillion times and I saw it coming a mile away, but getting Aunt May to say the line, I was like, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Oh God, I wasn't ready for it at all. It's not. Not. Yeah, I, you, you saw it coming a mile away and then it still slaps you across the face and you're just like, <sighs> okay. So I thought I thought that was great. Yeah, I think the way they handled Aunt May was very interesting. Um because we never got that Uncle Ben moment with um Tom Holland's Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, this movie now becomes an origin story for him moving forward, which is interesting. Which to me is what I didn't like about Andrew Garfield's movie is that we got the origin story again. Instead of this one, you just come in. Oh, he's already spider. He's already spider powered. We don't have any information about it. But now, with the origin being at the end of it, I thought that was a really nice touch because it wasn't like, oh, here we go again, watching the same story for the third time. Right. It was a nice, ah, okay, now we're on the same page. But it is a good story. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> I just don't want to see it. It's been around for, right. I don't know, 60, 80 years now. 2001 wasn't that long ago, Matt. Okay. You're feels, funny. Feels like it was a long time ago for some it of us. It really does. And it was 2002. I looked it up. 2002? Okay. 2002. So I was close. Not, not, I was, not, I was not 12. That, not as long ago. Yeah. Right. Still, 12-year-old 12 12-year-old 12 Ryan was primetime comic book superhero Star Wars geeking out time right there. I was in... I don't want to know where you were at that. I don't want to know where you were at that point in time. Did it come out that summer? If it was that summer, I was between. Yeah. Yeah. I was between second and third grade. Any final thoughts? Feeling good? I feel old. I know. You hush. All right. (laughs) Before we head out. Give us the one thing that you want to see or think you're going to see from Spider-Man next time he shows up. Let's see here. I want to see Venom because it definitely teased the symbiote. I think mentally Peter Parker is in an interesting place where having like the, the dark suit Spider-Man line could be really cool. I think that'd be very effective as far as dealing like with his trauma from these past couple of movies and things like that. Um, I would also like to see Miles Morales come. They have referenced him twice directly in this trilogy now. So it's either at this point a running gag or they're hinting. I don't know which it is, but I want to see Miles because he's my favorite. You can never have too much J. Jonah Jameson. It's true. Is that all you want to see? Just J.J. on his Jameson on his own? Doing his own show? With with less Alex Jones in him. I thought that that was hilarious, though. (laughs) (laughs) I loved that. It was very blunt. Mm -hmm. How they grew up that character. But they did it well. Yeah, it was great. I laughed really, really hard in the theater. I don't think... I live in a very conservative part of California. I don't think anyone else thought it was nearly as funny as I did in that theater, but that's okay. (laughs) I thought 
I had my own personal fan theory that I've updated a couple times, but the end of that movie takes place basically the same time that the Hawkeye series takes place. Right. Um, has everybody seen the ending of Hawkeye here? Mm-hmm. Okay. Spoiler alert for Hawkeye. It's been out long enough, too. But when they kind of fade up from Kingpin as he's getting shot, you don't really know what happens or not. In my brain, I was like, ooh, Peter's going to show up and save the day, and that's going to springboard him into something else. And then somebody said, no, Matt Murdock is going to show up. And I completely forgot that they introduced Matt Murdock entirely. And I was like, oh, shoot, now we're going to get Matt Murdock, Spider-Man, and potentially Deadpool in the same universe. And so to me, I just want to get those three together in some form. I don't care what it is. That's what I want. I just want those three together. That's a good dream to have, for sure. That's very exciting. Yes. The Spider-Man Deadpool comics universe is pretty good, too. I like that. If they if they gave us the point sequence from the meme in this movie, they can give us Spider-Man and Deadpool together. It can mm-hmm. happen. It can happen. <laughs> so one part Anything? of the question for me, what is the correct term for a plurality of Spider-Man entities? I like you said Spider-Man earlier. I like that because it was a But then I guess if you if you think about it cuz there's Spider-Gwen Mm-hmm. And all those as well. If you want to be a little more inclusive, you can go better people. Better people. I think that's fair. Yeah. And then, what is the term for a group of spider people? Like you have a murder of crows. What is it for spider people? A spackle of spiders. A web of. I, I was going to go with a web of spider men. I was trying to go for the the alliteration, but I can't think of anything with s. <laughs> A selection of Spider-Man. Selection of spiders. <laughs> I like that. We'll pose that if if anybody out there wants to to contribute to our our name picking, they can shout out to us, and maybe next time we'll have a a fan favorite that we'll announce on the show. I like that. Awesome. We got the thumbs up. That was a good conversation. Mm-hmm. I think everybody's feeling nice and nerdy now. Maybe want to go back and watch some Sam Raimi Spider-Mans get caught back up on what's going on way back in the day. Make you play the Spider-Man game on my PlayStation. Yeah, it'll be good. Be good. All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'll be back soon with some more fun conversations. You've been hanging out with the Diz Bros here on IBTM. We'll see you real soon.